Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Andrew P. Shea. Ross will be along quarter number two and three. You don't want to miss quarter number two. He gets his... Scouting report, two more interesting players, a couple defensive ends, Andy. One of them is a pretty good player. You're going to want to hear that scouting report. And then, of course, Andy will be back here quarter number four also. Quarter three, we're going to ask Ross. That's where we take your questions. But first of all, Andy, you all ready to talk some Penn State football? I am. It is. We are in full off-season mode now, May and June into July are sort of the dog days, right? Like you got to figure out what you're going to talk about. But this team, with what they've done the last two seasons, the way they fell off the cliff in 2022, or 2021, excuse me, the offensive struggles that this team endured last season, um, I think it gives us a lot to look at and talk about as we get ready for 2022. It surely does. And let's look at the news. I kind of like the offseason because it gives us that opportunity to explore different topics. But one news item that came up this week, um, Rodney Gallagher, uh, listed as an athlete, probably going to be a wide receiver from the Pittsburgh area, really high on Penn State's board, number two ranked player in the state, obviously very highly regarded. He made his decision, and he made that decision for West Virginia. Is that a surprise when a player in Pennsylvania ends up choosing West Virginia over Penn State, Andy? Not, not necessarily, especially from Western Pennsylvania, right? Because in recruiting, sometimes geography really Geography always kind of matters, right? Some kids are going to want to stay close to home. Some are just going to want to fly the coop and get going. So some kids are just not going to want to leave close to home. I mean, Rodney's case, his mom passed about a decade ago. So it's his father and his sister, and he wants to stay close to home. And West Virginia is, you know, less than an hour down the road from, from where he is. He's a four-star slot receiver, right? Yeah, he's one of the top kids in Pennsylvania. Did Penn State want him? Sure. At least Penn State was in the running. Pitt needs receivers too, and Pitt wasn't even in the final running, right? So let's, you could say, is that a win? No, but that's relevant. Like, Penn State was in deep on this. Don't forget about the transfer portal, ladies and gentlemen. But all I want to say is geography sometimes really matters. Each situation's a little different, and he's a four-star slot receiver. It's not like there's not other ones out there, Jimmy. They they kind of, you know, it's becoming the modern game that a good slot receiver and talented slot receivers that are athletes, they kind of grow on trees. The kid was a quarterback and a safety in high school. He's going to be a slot receiver in college. You can find other ones like it. Good for him in getting to go clo- get to stay close to home and he's a very talented athlete. Um, I think he needs to figure some things out at the college level before he makes an impact on the field. But I also think he's a very talented athlete. So I don't think it's a big loss for Penn State. I know they wanted him. I know he's a top-ranked kid in Pennsylvania. 
but they rarely, they really didn't have much of a shot necessarily because geography really mattered to this young man. All right, uh, Andy, next up on our list of news items, Penn State at Auburn. Game time has been announced, and who's going to be covering it? It will be 3.30 on CBS, which means that's the highlight Southeast Conference game for that week. It's going to be interesting uh, because you'll have new people doing the announcing. It's going to be from a Southeast Conference sort of take on it with the announcers. And the 3.30, that is the CBS big market time. That's where their big game goes. Yeah, that's where the big SEC game of the week goes on CBS at 3.30. Penn State doesn't play on CBS very often. I I can't think of more than – I don't think it's been more than two dozen times in their history – um, since television became, you know, relevant and part of college football, that Penn State's played an SEC team, SEC team on the big CBS game. So the other thing is the three thirty game in the South, hot, 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 hot. It's going to be hot down there in the South, and that will be a factor. That kind of heat is a factor in those games early in the year. But I think it's great that this game, the game was great last year, right? It was a, it was a night game last year. It was a Fantastic football game, and I think the way both teams are set up, this is another 50-50 potential fantastic football game in 2023, and the SEC and CBS gobbled it up for all the right reasons. And it's also great that you uh, reminded us again last year, it was a whiteout game, which is, that's a tradition up here at Penn State. For Auburn, it had to be a great experience to be in Beaver Stadium, do the whiteout, be on ABC slash ESPN at night. They got to experience what that's like. And, it, and the roles will be reversed. Penn State going into Auburn, playing on the SEC network, CBS. Great experience for the teams. But speaking of great experience, Andy, I'm going to use this as a, an opportunity to remind everybody, Dustin and I will be there in the heat for that Penn State-Auburn game for the 3.30 start. We at Keystone Sports, we're working with collegiate athletic travel, giving you the opportunity to travel to this game. Remember, charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, tailgate party. Great time. Now that they've announced the starting time at 3.30, you may want to check that out. I advise it. Go to athletictravel.com or call 800-788-4414 for all the details. It's an opportunity you don't want to pass up. All right, Andy. Um, Another little small news item from this week, but I did want to bring it up. Remember the blue-white game? Two quarterbacks wearing number nine, and we were trying to figure out why in the world would they do that? It makes no sense. Now we find out, perhaps this was in the works the whole time, Christian Vayu is changing from number 9 to number 11, um, which was his high school number. I think number 11 just freed up for him. That was the opportunity he was looking for. So we are not going to have multiple quarterbacks with the same number. Yeah, and it, it, we're talking about practice here, but it. I don't think they really paid attention to it. Honestly, Penn State didn't pay attention to it leading into the spring game because, you know, in James' world, and the spring game, is it's literally just another practice. But um, 
during practice, during spring ball, they wear the, the do, do not touch the quarterback jerseys. So you don't really ever really see their number, right? So you don't, you're kind of used to it. Like, oh, you take that, you take the, the, the do not touch the quarterback jersey off. And it's like, oh, these guys both have the same number. Well, who cares? We know who they are. They know who they are. We know who they are in film. But the fans were kind of like, hey, what are these two number nines? But, you know, Christian, I think he wore 11 in high school. I think you mentioned the other yeah. day. And maybe he was waiting for it. So um, your number two quarterback on the depth chart for Penn State in 2022 will wear number 11. There you go, Jimmy. Well, I, I will differ in this. You do have to be careful with that assignment of numbers that, you know, you can't put two offensive players with the same number or two defensive players. You can have an offensive guy and defensive guy with the same number. Now, not that you'll ever have two quarterbacks in the game at the same time, but still. All right. Um, one more news item for you, Andy, that came out. Bill Connolly, who we've had on our show previously, very well respected in the uh, college football arena. He comes out with what he calls his SP plus ranking. It's they call it a bit of a power ranking. And because it comes from Bill Connolly, um, I show it a little more respect than I do a lot of these other way too early uh, rankings. He has Penn State ranked number 13, which is a pretty solid ranking for a team that's been 500 over the last two years. But I thought what was more interesting is he ranks the units. He had Penn State's offense ranked 53rd and their defense ranked 5th in the country. After losing a lot of talent, that's pretty high, number 5 for the defense, and the offense not very impressive at number 53. So the defense is the one that grabs you, right? Because you know you know all the draft picks that they lost. Defensive end, you know, uh, safety, cornerback, linebacker. They, they lost them at every level. Key players at every level went to the NFL. Most were drafted, you know, not all were, but they all are ending up on NFL rosters. So you think like, oh, you can't replace that. And I was initially in that camp, I'm thinking five is really high. But then I worked back through it, and I looked at the defense closely, and yes, they do have questions. They're going to have questions. They have major questions to answer, particularly at linebacker. But if I look up front, and I look in the defensive backfield, and I look at what is going on at those two positions, at the front end and the back end, I don't think this is a stretch. I really don't. I think they have so many options up front and in the secondary, along with the returning players that I see, even if the linebackers are just okay, I can still see this defense being very, very good. Slash, Look, last year, I still say last year's defense was elite. I think this defense could be very, very good slash borderline possibly elite I really do looking at defensive tackle defensive end and the five guys in the secondary the two corners the two safeties and the nickelback I really honestly do Jimmy I like the defense I like Manny Diaz coming in I just feel with as many changes as they made and lost a couple of really elite players Ibakiti, uh Johan Brisker 
You know, it's hard to replace those guys. I think they'll be really good. I'm not sure they're number five good. And on the flip side, offense at rank 53rd, I, you know, I think Sean Clifford, that feels like they're ranking the bad Sean Clifford. And we're not sure what we're going to get there. But I think the issues, the running backs are going to be better. I think the offensive line is going to be better. So I think they're shoring up those weaknesses. I'm kind of offense a little better than the ranking. Defense not quite as high as they ranked them, Andy. I like the defense, and I think the offense is possibly overrated. I think the defense is, or the offense might be too high. I think they're giving the good Clifford there and giving him 53rd, but that's just me. We can, we, we agree to disagree. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely do on that one, Andy. We'll see come the fall. But one thing is for sure, if, they, if the offense excels, I will remind you of this. All right, that is it for quarter number one. In next, Ross Tucker. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hockettsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. It's quarter number two. That means we welcome in Ross Tucker. Ross, how are you doing today, my friend? Awesome, Jim. You know, I look forward to this every week, talking Penn State football with you. Um, It's amazing. I like when I get feedback from listeners and they check out what I'm doing on social media, at Ross Tucker NFL. It's fun, man. It's it's my once a week where I get a chance to, like, talk Penn State football with my buddy. I like it. 
Uh, fantastic. Same here. And you know, every year I say this, Ross, this is my favorite series that we do. We've been doing this show for years. This is my absolute favorite because you do the scouting report on the incoming class, recruiting class. We're doing the class of 22. And I just want a little behind the scenes for our listeners. Every week you send me your notes on the couple players that we're going to handle. And you give me your notes and you also give me the ranking, the number that you put on them. This week you're holding out on me. Okay? You didn't give me their ranking. You wanted to surprise me on the air. So I'm going to find out when our listeners do. Couple real interesting players, especially this first guy. I, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about Denai Dennis Sutton. He's a five-star recruit, 6'5", 250-pound defensive end. Ross, I'm anxious to see the guy play. What am I going to see when he comes in? Well, so first of all, to peel back the curtain a little bit, I usually watch these guys uh, while I'm working out. So I'm usually on the stepper, sometimes the bike, when I'm watching them. And so I, I text Jim my notes because that's how I keep notes. I open up a text to Jim and I put denied dead and sudden, can tell, and I, I write my notes. Sometimes I'm ready to give him a grade right away. Sometimes I want to sort of, you know, let it simmer a little bit and uh, read my notes back and then decide. And usually I'll, I'll follow up to Jim with a second text. Here's the grade I gave him. But I thought it might be a little bit more entertaining, at least for me, if I didn't tell Jim ahead of time what the ratings were. So, um, and I, you know, some of these guys I know more about ahead of time than others. And obviously I know Deny Dennis Sutton is, is ranked highly. I never care about that. You know, we've had three-star guys that I've had in my top five and four and five star guys, I've had much lower, right? So um, you think about the examples, Tang Wall was a pretty good, I mean, there's, there's examples, right? Dennis Sutton, superb size. You know, he looks like he's a solid 6'5", uh, 250, really nice length, and he's got growth potential, right? Like he looks to me, I don't know if he's going to be the D-end that stays at 250 and is a speed guy off the edge like Mabin and Shaka Tony, that's not really his game. He, I think, is going to get up to more like 265, 270 and be more of like a Tamba Hali, right? Or more recent example, the number one overall pick in the NFL draft, Trayvon Walker from Georgia to the Jacksonville Jaguars, because he's more of a power rusher and technique rusher. He's got some, and he's got good growth potential. Right? He's 6'5", 250, but you can kind of tell that he could clearly put some, some good weight on still. He has excellent burst off the snap. I wouldn't say it's elite, but I would say it's excellent. So superb size, length, and growth potential. Excellent burst. Those are good things. Jim, he is absolutely elite with his hand usage. It looks like a college, almost maybe even NFL rookie, is going against high school kids. Whether it's the run or the pass, 
I don't know who he's been working with or who taught him, but it is elite. And that is more than any other reason, I think, is why he probably got ranked so high. He has a wide array already of both inside and outside pass rush moves, right? So going around the tackle, around the outside, or coming back inside, beating him inside. And I'm just so impressed with how good his hands are. I mean, you know, he's going against pretty good competition there at the McDonough School and all those private schools they play. The O-linemen look pretty decent, and he just, they stick their hands out to pass. He just wipes them away. I mean, he looks like a Bosa, you know, or a Chase Young who's from down in that area. Uh, He's got good closing burst, um, good closing speed, probably not elite closing speed, but good closing speed. But I really like his on-field demeanor and enthusiasm. He had a sack where he got so fired up afterwards. That That's important to me. I want to know they love it. I want to know that it's important to them. He likes to be physical, which he showed against lead blockers, showed in the run game. That's an important element too. They got to want it. They got to want the physical part of it. He's a stud. He is an absolute stud. Very capable of playing as a freshman. Very. Now, he didn't enroll early, so that hurts him for sure in terms of playing early. But, I don't know, looking at Penn State's current defensive ends, I'd actually be surprised if he doesn't get on the field this year as a true freshman. I think he's certainly capable of it. I gave him a 9.2. I gave him the same grade I gave Aller. And, um, you know, Aller, I think, has a little bit higher physical traits. But Dennis Sutton is clearly, in my mind, more ready to contribute this year. You know, the two guys so far that look like they absolutely could be a factor this year are Dennis Sutton and Singleton. Wow, Ross. You don't throw out nines very often. I might need to go backtrack and see what you did years ago. I don't recall very many nines, though. Do you? No. And I've got three this year, which means they're either really good or I'm getting softer as a grader in my old age. (laughs) I don't see that happening with you, Ross. I really don't. All right. Our second player is Ken Talley. He's either listed as a defensive end, a linebacker, or I've seen him listed as an edge guy. Maybe you could explain what that means versus defensive end or linebacker. He's listed anywhere at 6'3", either from 230 to 240 pounds. What did you see with Ken Talley? Interesting player. Uh, He's a little bit of a projection. So he is very physical. In everything he does, which I really appreciated. And he looked to me like he had a pretty nice... Look, he's he's got a great size profile for a linebacker. You know, he looked to me like about 6'2", 235. I know where you said he was listed, but I always go by kind of what they look like. Maybe 6'2 and a half, 235. So as a linebacker... 
He's plenty big. But I don't think he's going to be a linebacker. And because so many teams in the NFL run like a 3-4, now rather than having the distinction between a defensive end and a linebacker, because it's like, okay, is he a linebacker? Is he a defensive end? There are guys that play off the ball. They're linebackers. There are also linebackers that play on the end of the line of scrimmage, like in a 3-4-D. And think about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Think about T.J. Watt, right? Well, they've started to just call those guys edge players, right? Because really, you should be comparing T.J. Watt to the Bosa's, to Miles Garrett, to other guys that are really rushing the passer most of the time. Interestingly, Tally looks to me like his best fit would be like as a 3-4 outside linebacker, you know, for the Steelers. James Harrison type. Very physical. I guess I'm a little bit wondering how big he is for a defensive end. You know, he's going to be a guy that's going to have to kind of figure out how to play as a D-end in Penn State's scheme at probably 6'2.5", 250, something like that. His video, Jim is running back and off-the-ball linebacker, right? And he's actually pretty athletic as a running back, which is a good sign. He is a stud blitzer, absolute stud, with a nice burst. He's got good closing speed. He doesn't have the long speed for me to think he's a linebacker at the next level. You know, he doesn't have the sideline, the sideline, 15 to 30 yard speed that you would like. He's more a 5 to 10, 15 yard burst. I also had questions about his instincts as an off the ball linebacker, which I think are kind of irrelevant because I don't think he will be an off the ball linebacker. And then, you know, the pass rush ability is just not there. You know, it's just, it's just not on there because it didn't have to be. Right? I mean, he was a blitzing linebacker. So, just, you know, when I have that many question marks, by the way, bad competition, played bad competition. When I have that many question marks, Jim, I get a little bit concerned. He might end up being a very good player. I gave him a 7.8 because of the number of question marks and the fact that he's a projection. When you talk about him, it, it sounds like he's a bit of a tweener. Maybe a little too big linebacker, a little too small at defensive end. Is there in Penn State's scheme, and I know it might change a little bit with Manny Diaz, is there a place for that guy? Well, I don't know that there is right now, but I think ideally he would be a situational pass rusher to start. You just don't really know if he's going to end up being a good pass rusher because there's not a lot of evidence on his tape of him actually doing that. It's just kind of blitzing when nobody really blocks him. I think the two options for him are he could maybe be a middle linebacker, you know, a run-stuffing middle linebacker like an Ellis Brooks, and maybe they try him there. Or... He could potentially end up being a, you know, a situational edge rusher like a Shaka Tony. All right. Very good scouting report again, Ross. 
We will pick it up next week with two more players. But right now, we're headed to quarter number three. You know what that means. It's time for us to take your questions and ask Ross. So stay tuned for that. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind we are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. We specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. I'm with Ross Tucker. And it's time for Ask Ross. This is where we take your questions for Ross. And then the best question wins the KSN Polo. If you want to submit a question for Ross, really easy. Just down our, download our app, Keystone Sports, and you'll see the Ask Ross button. All right, Ross, you ready Who to roll with the question? Who else can they ask questions of? Dustin? Uh, T. Frank. Who gets more questions, me or T. Frank? Oh, you get more questions, Ross. Good, good, okay. good. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> you are the guy. And you guys, if you want to keep Ross as the winner, send in your questions for Ross so, so he keeps the lead. All right, Ross. Let's get. And you know what? You also get more food questions, Ross. So there, there's that also. Speaking of which, let's start with Mike from Lawrenceville, New Jersey. Mike says, hey, Ross. I am definitely with you on the great KSN pizza topping debate. Sausage makes it all taste better. Can't argue with Mike on that. My question is this. Did Penn State's historic success come more from recruiting or coaching? Historic success meaning when? 
Well, since I'm an old guy, Ross, we're going wet all the way. We're going back to the Paterno era. So, so basically, Penn State was a dominant program. I think was it fair to say, Jim, seventy-eight to ninety-four. I go back to sixty-eight, sixty-nine when they had back-to-back undefeated seasons, Ross. They also had another undefeated season in 73. So I think we could go back to the late 60s. Got it. Um, It's always a combination of both, obviously. But I don't remember them... I don't remember them getting a ton of top five recruiting classes, Jim. Do you? It didn't seem like Penn State used to get all that much hate, but they also didn't like rank recruiting classes and all that stuff as much back then either. No, and I think there's something to be said for the style of play that they had under Joe Paterno way back when. It wasn't that elite quarterback, you know. Remember them winning a national championship with, you know, John Schaefer as their quarterback as opposed to a Heisman Trophy winner. And stories like Shane Conlon, where Penn State was his only offer. So I I think a lot of it has to, obviously you need to have some talent, but I put a lot on the coaching, at least historically. Yeah, I would agree with that. Now, I've said this before, and this, I don't know if this gets people upset or whatever, but they should have had that much success, Jim. I mean... Starting, you know, think about Maryland and everything in the Northeast of Maryland. You know, Penn State was by far the best program. So they had 14, 15 states. Maryland, state of Maryland. I mean, Rutgers was terrible. So the state of New Jersey, state of New York. I mean, Syracuse was decent. State of Massachusetts, Boston College was decent. But really... There's like a 15-state region where Penn State was the only really big-time program. And so, I don't know. I, I, I've often made the argument that maybe they should have even had more success given that. You think that's fair or unfair? I, I do think that's fair. For a while, they were the program, the team for all of the uh, Northeast. Also... For those who might send in and correct me on, they didn't always have all the talent. I will say, though, that 94 team, and specifically the offense, was probably as talented a group as there has been in college football history. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That 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 off. I mean, they all went to the NFL, like, first or second round. It was absolutely crazy. So I think about- that, that group was a lot of recruiting. But, you know... Hardings was not a heavily recruited kid. Rivera was not a heavily recruited kid. It's not like every college out there wanted Kerry Collins. You know what I mean? So um, I think I think they uh, I think they, they did a good job identifying and developing. I think that was the year three top ten players in the draft. Three of the top ten, all from that offense. That's a pretty good team, Ross. All right, let's move on. Um, Let's go to Jeremy in Lebanon, who says, a lot of highly regarded quarterbacks never pan out, Ross. I think there is so much more to being a good quarterback than just their physical tools. 
what do you look for in scouting a high school quarterback beyond their physical attributes? Well, that's the problem, is that when you're scouting a high school quarterback, all we have is really the physical tools when you're watching a highlight video. But that is not nearly enough for someone to have success at the next level because so much of that position is preparation, it's understanding, um, it's leadership, and you can't get any of those things from a highlight video, which makes it very difficult to evaluate that position. Heck, there's still some issues with that when they're going to the NFL. It's still a, posi- it's still a hard position to evaluate in the NFL because of the intangibles and everything that goes into having success at that position. So what I would say is more than any other position, you really got to watch them for a full game in person. You really got to talk to their teammates, their coaches to get a feel for how much football they know, how much they love football, how quickly they process information, what kind of human being they are, what kind of leader. I mean, there's just a whole lot that goes into it. One of the things, and I don't know how well you could scout this, but I'll go back to a couple of my favorite Penn State quarterbacks. I'll mention Michael Robinson and Trace McSorley. And I just felt like their ability to make a play when you absolutely need it, you know, that third down play, I just had confidence those two guys would find a way, more or less despite their physical skills, more so than because of them. And I'm not sure how you rate that. And both of those guys just had guts in spades. I mean, they just... It felt like they could will their teams to win. And, you know, there's some quarterbacks that you feel like they do that and other quarterbacks that you you just kind of don't. And I think that that is, um, I think that that's, that therein lies the rub, right? Is you don't really know because in high school, it looks like they can all do it. In college, even, it looks like they can all do it or a lot of them can do it. But then you get to the point in the NFL and, you know, it, it's the uh, it's the funneling. Uh, it's the funnel like any other position, I guess. But yes, absolutely. Some guys have a better chance that have, have a better, stronger tendency, which is why I do think wins are a quarterback stat. I don't think it's a perfect quarterback stat. But none of them are. Completion percentage, what about drops? You know what I mean? Or yards, what about you throw a five-yard out and the guy makes three guys miss? Like, none of the stats are perfect. I think um, I think winning is a quarterback stat because that's ultimately the goal. And didn't Trace McSorley win, like, three state championships in high school? The guy's yes, the winner. Yes, good point. All right, let's go to David in Lancaster who says, do you think the amount of money in NIL related to recruiting is sustainable? The hit rate for most programs is low, so I don't see how boosters will continue to throw as much money at it 
when recruits consistently don't pan out? I've heard this uh, a number of times regarding NIL, and ultimately, I think it's sustainable. Hmm. You know, these are the same people that pay millions of dollars to fire a coach. Millions of dollars to fire a coach. And so if they're willing to pay millions of dollars to fire a coach, I think they'll be willing to pay a lot of money to try to get the next good player. And they'll know that they're not always going to hit, but it's just kind of the cost of doing business. You know, they're not really doing it for a return on investment in the first place. So that, look, there might be guys that decide, nah, you know, I, I spent a lot of money on this kid. He didn't pan out. I'm not doing it anymore. But I think there's going to be more of them that are just the type of people that they want to see their team do well. They're going to spend the money to try to help their team do well. I think there'll be differences in programs. Texas A&M has – they have guys with enough screw you money that they'll, I think they'll keep giving money no matter what. I wonder about, apparently the rumor is that Tennessee has put out millions of dollars for a quarterback. If he doesn't pan out, I wonder if they'll keep doing that. Yeah, $8 million uh, for a junior in high school. Yeah, I'm not sure they'll continue doing that if the kid doesn't pan out. Let's sneak one more in. Steve from Columbia, PA says, I love cheeseburgers, pizza, wings, and beer. I think that he's sucking up, Ross. He says, do you? <laughs> and he says, how do you think the offensive line will do this season? I'm concerned. Yeah, you know, I am a little bit as well. Um, I think the tackles and center are pretty good and that they're going to step up. I think, look, Caden Wallace is in the Rasheed Walker category now for me where it's like if he doesn't do it this year, I don't know that he's ever going to. Uh, you know, Juice Scruggs was probably their best offensive lineman last year, so I expect him to play pretty well at center. And, you know, I like what I saw from Fashanu in the bowl game. And I think Fashanu has a chance to be pretty good. The questions I have relate to the guards. Now, Hunter Norzad, according to everybody I've talked to in the Ivy League, is supposed to be better than Eric Wilson. So I like the idea of him being in there. And then um, also, I think Tangwall will be okay. Very good, Ross. That's it for quarter number three. Stick around. Quarter number four. Andrew P. Shea is back and will name our winner. Stick around for that. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. 
featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno. This beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. That means Andrew P. Shea is back. And more important even than the fact that you're back, Andy... We need to announce our winner from our Ask Ross segment. The winner, best question, Jeremy from Lebanon. Jeremy will be getting in touch with you on how to get your KSN polo shirt. All right, Andy, tell you what. One item that we didn't cover in quarter number one that was part of the news from the last week or so in college football It sounds like a subtle change in that the NCAA has changed the rule on having a conference championship game. Previously, I think the wording was if you had 12 teams, wanted a conference championship game, you had to split into two divisions, and the division winners would play. Now they're not requiring that to be the case. The reason why that's important is you have situations where, oh, let's take a hypothetical. Let's say the Big Ten were set up in a situation where the East Division was really strong and so strong that, say, they've won all eight conference championship games, usually in a route. But your great fear is you maybe have an undefeated team from one division, say, like the East, and maybe a three-loss team from the West, and if they somehow pull off an upset in that championship game, you have maybe the third, fourth, fifth best team representing your conference, perhaps when they expand the playoffs in the playoffs, or you, you miss out on the playoffs because of that upset. Again, that's all hypothetical. All hypothetical, Jimmy. I hear you. So... What what exactly does this mean for the Big Ten, this rule change? So this rule change is is what it would have what it means is if this would have been in effect one year ago today, right? If they would have enacted this one year ago, 
it would have meant in 2021, Michigan and, o- Michigan and Ohio State would have played again in the Big Ten championship game. If the Big Ten adopts this, right? The NCAA made the rule. It doesn't mean the conference has to adopt it. That's my question is, will the Big Ten adopt this and take this on in 2022 and say, okay, the NCAA has said that we are no longer required to have an uh, an East uh, representative from each division in the conference championship game. That is no longer required to determine, to determine your FBS Power 5 conference champion. Are we going to adopt it? I mean, isn't that a... It's the Big Ten we're talking about, Jimmy. Who knows what the heck we're going to do? Now, this was announced you know, late last week. The Pac-12 has already dissolved its North and South divisions for the upcoming 2022 season, and they have already said, almost immediately said, we're going to pit the two winningest teams in Pac-12 play. Those two teams will play in in the Pac-12 championship game. Will the Big Ten do that? That's my question. It's almost like it makes too much sense not to do it, but then, I don't know, Jimmy, we're talking about the Big Ten, and we remember how they had how they struggle with the schedule and COVID and how they were just the the worst of the conferences by far in figuring out what the heck they were doing. So my first question is, will the Big Ten adopt this for 2022 right away? The NCAA has opened the door. Make sure you don't have your hypothetical undefeated against three loss and get your two best teams in there and give your conference the best chance. Will they adopt that right away is question number one. I really can't see the Big Ten moving that quickly because it's just not their nature. Oh, no. I think twenty-two. <laughs> I think twenty-two will be the same as as we've been seeing, but the question becomes twenty-three. And you know, there's multiple ways. Like in the Pac-12, what they're doing, I don't believe they're changing the schedule for this year. They're so not. the South is playing all the teams in the South, and they'll Correct. play a couple crossover games. Correct. And you could do now what's in my mind a little nonsensical is if you're splitting up the divisions and playing a schedule as if you are in divisions but then oh we'll take the two top teams from the east to play each other in the championship winning the west division is meaningless i i that doesn't make a lot of sense to me either i think what you have to do is coincide this with new scheduling which may mean not have not splitting the divisions, but if you do that, what you have to do is change the schedule because you don't have it based on divisions. Now, what the ACC is doing, Andy, is something they're calling it three five five. And by the way, the Big Ten and ACC both have the fourteen teams, so this makes sense. You have your team. There's thirteen other teams. You pick three as rivals. You don't pick the, th- the league does that. Assigns three rivals that you play every year. And then the other two te- uh, ten teams, you alternate five and five. You'll either play the first five or you'll play the second five. But what that also does is change the number of conference games from nine to eight. What do you think of that plan? Yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not keen on that because I think determining... I think, yeah, it's it's tough. I don't dislike it, but I think it's tough determining the three, um, the three rival teams and and who determines the three rival teams. 
Is it the conference determining it? How much say do the schools have? I think that is a, a really sticky wicket for the Big Ten. Because the Big Ten is built around two schools and one game that is played on the last Saturday at noon at either, you know, at either the Horseshoe or the Big House. Everything else is, comes after that when it comes to the Big Ten. So I don't dislike it, but I think it's a, a, a tricky scenario. I, I don't disagree with you that the Big Ten will probably not pit its two winningest teams against each other in 2022. It just it, it makes the most sense moving forward. I mean, we already do know, Jimmy, that all the schools, all 14 schools in the Big Ten, the schedules that they released like four years ago for 2023 through 2025, they've sort of scrubbed all those future schedules from their websites, all 14 schools. So there is some sort of change coming. Why drag the cart along at a slow pace? Why not? The end game is your hypothetical was let's not have this happen. Okay, we have it. The NCAA is giving you a chance to not have it happen. You play your 2022 schedule. The Big Ten West champion can still be the Big Ten West champion, and they still might be the second best team percentage-wise in the Big Ten because they're playing in the West. Remember, this is uh, inside your conference games only is the way the Pac-12 is doing it for 2022. It could end up being that team that has the best winning percentage. So. I don't dislike the 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 three three five five switch thing. I just think maybe there's a, a it's going to be tough. I think on the Big Ten to find the rivalry ones. I really think that's going to be a that's a tough tough find. You and I had talked about this off air. We talked about this yesterday, Andy. Is how to find those rivalries. You mentioned you know how much of it is the um, Big Ten office versus how much will the teams have a say. Very simple answer. You know, you just pick up the phone, you call the Ohio State Athletic Director, the Michigan Athletic Director, and ask them what they're supposed to do, just like how they run everything else in the conference. Obviously, there are, you know, all kidding aside, well, maybe I'm not even kidding with that, but there are the obvious rivalries, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, Indiana, Purdue, the intrastate, Illinois, Northwestern, they make sense. But on the surface, if you say, who should Penn State play, three of the first names you think of are Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State. And you think the same thing among those other teams. The problem with that is you end up right where you were with the divisions. Correct. So you've got to balance a little bit rivalry with having the best games for television's sake, the games that draw people to the TV set, and you also have to look at a little bit of balance where it's, I'll take Penn State out of it, but let's use Michigan. Do you give Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Penn State as their three rivals? That's not fair to them. So there's got to be a little bit of a balance too on the schedule. So, you know, we're talking to a Penn State audience. What makes sense for Penn State for three rivals if they were going to go down that route? So, if the university was picking them, I would pick. I would take Michigan, right? If I'm the Penn State athletic director and they say, "Hey, you got your three picks," I would take Michigan. I would not. I know. I know there's a hate with Ohio State for Penn State fans, and 
I, don't, I, I think it's more one-way hate than Ohio State fans because I think Ohio State fans are so self-absorbed that they don't really care who they play. It doesn't matter to them. They always think they're the best team. They're always going to win. They usually do. Um, there's just a, uh, that, That's just the way their fan base is constructed. I think there is a genuine hate from the Penn State to Ohio State. I would take Michigan. I would kind of avoid Ohio State for all the right reasons. I would take Maryland. I think Maryland has history with Penn State that goes prior to the Big Ten. I think it's geographically a convenient game. It's good for your fan base that they can go to that game. They travel and go to that game. And I would take Rutgers for the same reason. That if they said school gets to choose or has input, that is where I would go. I would go Michigan, Rutgers, and Maryland, and that's it. I think what's more likely to happen is, obviously, I think Michigan will have both Ohio State and Michigan State as rivals. I think for Penn State, I think they'll give Penn State Michigan State as you know a rival game because they've been trying to promote that as a rivalry for a while, and it kind of makes sense. What I think they will do for Penn State then, or I would recommend, alternate Michigan and Ohio State as part of those two five teams. It balances the schedule a bit, and it does the same thing for Michigan and Ohio State, where they don't have to play Penn State every year, but they get them every other year. So that creates a balance. Then... I think Penn State would have to get either Rutgers or Maryland for geography, if not both. But if you want to do, and this I'll give credit to our buddy Dustin, who suggested, how about Iowa, you know, as a different kind of team, and there's been a rivalry there. I'll give you a last thought on this, Andy. Oh, let's. we're going to talk more about this during the offseason. Let's make sure we do, because I think there's several options a conference has that Penn State fans would be interested in. And, ex- and expanding to 16 teams includes one of them. I'm not sure we're going to see that for a while, Andy, because I'm not sure there's any obvious logical choices. But that is it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are...
Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. 